This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Well, today I am really grateful and excited to interview my friend, Eve Mayer, who is the co-author of the book, Life in the Fasting Lane, along with Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. She's the owner of FastingLane.com. She's a speaker, author, and entrepreneur, recognized by Forbes and CNN. After decades of struggling with obesity and reaching 300 pounds, she discovered fasting and it changed her life. Eve speaks and consults worldwide on digital marketing, diversity and inclusion, wellness and fasting. Eve is the host of the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram and we'll make sure we include those links when we publish this. Welcome. I'm so excited to reconnect with you. What's up, Cynthia? I was very lonely because uh, I've been staying at home and I'm excited to see your beautiful face this morning. Oh, well, thank you. And it's funny, our podcast together just got released. So I had an opportunity to listen to it. And, you know, it's it's funny how life can be so, um, just so fateful. And, you know, sometimes when, and I'm sure it happens for you too, you get asked to be on a podcast, you really connect with someone. And I was like, Eve has such amazing energy and she's so positive and I just love her transparency. So having the opportunity to connect with you. And I know we were chatting a little bit off recording about what's going on in the world. So how have you been doing? Crappy, Cynthia. I've been doing pretty crappy. Um, I have had some of the most exciting days of my life. I have had a goal to be, you know, I've been an author for 12 years. And one of my life goals was to be a New York Times bestselling author. And it happened. It happened uh, a few days ago. And it was one of the best days of my life. Like it really was. And I'm very excited, but because I feel concerned about friends I have whose parents or relatives have died with COVID or, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of medical professionals that I'm friends with who are just fighting incredible Mm -hmm. battles, a lot of friends I know that have been laid off and are concerned financially. Um, it's a weird time to achieve your goal and be really excited, but to feel this heaviness and sadness mm. about the world and wonder if you're doing enough. And so this whole journey with this book has been just bizarre um, because we started out with a goal two years ago to tell a bigger story of fasting, a story from a doctor, a researcher, and a regular old best friend kind of person with no filter, that would be me. And um, we thought it was a story that needed to be told and would be so powerful. But what has happened because of COVID and, and everything that's going on right now is there's a, a an unexpected interest in the book around fasting and its effects on health and its effects on the immune system, which is like a gift, right? Like a gift that this could help more people's health. But it also is kind of sad because I just wish that the world wasn't suffering and we were just talking about generally getting healthier and losing weight. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. I don't feel great. How are you doing? 
you know, we're, we're navigating the new normal with uh, a tween, a teen, two crazy dogs and two spouses who aren't normally home at the same time working from home and navigating, you know, homeschooling and grumpy hormones and all of this. And, and so, you know, I know we were chatting about this before, but, you know, navigating the new normal, trying to create some degree of rituals and schedules so that we don't feel so disconnected from the world. And I'm grateful for opportunities to be able to connect with like-minded individuals. And I hear what you're saying, you know, it almost, it almost makes us feel a little bit guilty celebrating wins and joys. And yet that's part of life. And, you know, as a healthcare provider, I know we were chatting about this. I have a lot of friends on the front line, you know, many of whom are in New York City and the the reports that are coming back are very sobering. And I agree with you that it almost makes us feel a little small. You know, we, we want to have big impact. And obviously your book is having a huge impact because it gives the perspectives, not only from a clinician and a researcher, but also from uh, you know, a very regular, beautiful human being who has had this incredible journey. Um, and so I'm so delighted that um, you've had so much success. I had no question. And I just finished your book last night. Uh, and we're actually going to give the book, we're going to give a book away in my intermittent fasting group on Facebook. So I'm super excited to be able to do that on Friday. But I'd love for you to kind of walk us through like, what is your story? I mean, I know your story, but our listeners very likely don't know your story. And your story is one that so many people, it will resonate with them. They will connect with it. They will understand what you've been through. I'd love for you to talk about your journey because it is really, really powerful. Thank you, Cynthia. Um, And thanks for calling me beautiful. That was my favorite part. So um, thank you. So my story is a long one. I am uh, 46 years old. And when I was young, I... um, I was a plus size model. I was, you know, hot and gorgeous. And, but from a very young age, started turning to emotional eating and food as comfort. I grew up in South Louisiana, which I still to this day believe is the best food in the world. Um, And I became morbidly obese at 18 years old. Um, I gained a hundred pounds in a year. Uh, I'm an overachiever. It's really amazing. Um, and for 24 years, I remained morbidly obese. The strange thing was, is I was very successful at relationships and school and business and everything. Honestly, I was kind of amazing. I was an entrepreneur, Um, I don't even remember the number, but I think it's like 0.02% of female CEOs are morbidly obese. So like I was kind of this anomaly, right? Mm -hmm. And I really just kind of looked at it in a way that I couldn't figure out why I was so successful in life and in relationships and everything else, but such a failure at my health and my body. Uh, I peaked at 300 pounds. I'm five foot six. I think at one point I was five foot six and a half, but I guess I shrunk. So 300 yeah, pounds. shrinking. <laughs> I know, right? And I, um, so like I wore a size 26. I had a lot of confidence about who I was. And I even tried to have confidence about, you know, if I was 300 pounds, at least I was like the cutest 300 pound person you'd ever seen. So like, I tried and I worked out with trainers. I did every mm-hmm. diet. I went to every therapist. I went to hypnosis. I went to binge eating rehab. 
I had three bariatric surgeries, uh, two lap band surgeries and one gastric sleeve surgery. And everything I did resulted in some weight loss. And then usually I would gain all or some of it back. I felt hungry every moment of my life. Sometimes if I ate a very large meal or had a very large binge, I could be full for 20 minutes. But in my life, the longest I ever remember being full was 20 minutes. And it was a constant mental struggle each day to just live my life because those messages of hunger coming from my brain would get in the way of just paying attention to my husband or my daughter or a business meeting. I found ways to just continue on, but those messages were always there. So um, 24 years, morbidly obese, major health issues, uh, pre-diabetic, infertility issues, PCOS, recurring bronchitis, upper respiratory issues, pneumonia, um, sick most of the time. And, and I really assumed that was because I had a bad immune system, not because of the weight. I thought the pre-diabetes was because of the weight, like mm-hmm. that made sense. But bronchitis, allergies, like obviously I'm like, oh, that's that's not because of the weight. So um you know, I kept on trying because it just didn't make sense that I was so good at everything else, but I sucked at this. Like I just couldn't figure it out. So I kept on trying for 24 years and failing in every way. And then I did low carb and about five weeks into low carb one day, I wasn't hungry and I hadn't really had that feeling before. I just had it. And I realized the next day that I was only hungry five times that day. And I look at my husband who's like hot and fit and all that stuff. And I was like, listen, I was only hungry five times today. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, are you telling me that normal people just get hungry a few times a day? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, I I can't believe this. Like in that very moment, I understood why every doctor who had ever told me like, just eat less. Every person who looked at me with pity, who was thin and would look at me at 300 pounds struggling would look at me in disgust, right? Like I got it. I understood that they couldn't relate to the way that I felt. And Mm -hmm. that that is why, you know, I was in the position I was in. So I was really shocked and I wanted to find out more um, why, like what was making me hungry? And then I talked to a friend who was a doctor, who's just a friend of mine, Dr. Suzanne Slonim. And she talked to me more about insulin resistance, which I've been told I had, but nobody explained to me what that was or what that meant. They just said, take metformin, you know, and get an infertility specialist. Okay, cool. Um, so she said, I needed to read the book, the obesity code, which I did. Mm -hmm. And that book by Dr. Jason Fung, really changed my life and explained to me insulin resistance, why I felt hungry, how um, being overweight was a hormone issue. And I felt really like justified in my low carb way of eating. I was like, heck yeah. But when he talked about fasting, which two years ago, I had like never heard of except from friends who were Muslim or Buddhist or, you know, Mm -hmm. I had never heard of it. It just sounded stupid to me. I was like, this sounds like (laughs) the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Every doctor told me eat eight, six to eight times a day to keep your metabolism rolling, like keep it burning, keep that engine going, eat small meals, eat all the time, which I did. Um, And so this was a completely different message and I thought it was crap. And so I immediately started fasting to prove him wrong. That is such an incredible journey. And, And I want to back up a little bit. 
you know, I worked in cardiology as an MP for 16 years, and we had a lot of people that went through gastric bypass, gastric sleeves, gastric banding. And I think your experience and you, and again, you had these three separate procedures was that it worked for a little while and then it didn't. Correct. And I can't even imagine how disappointing that must've been because I'm sure when it started working, you're like, great. Now I don't have to worry about this. Pack the bags, done with this. Now I can move on to other things. I'm sure that must've been incredibly disappointing, upsetting, frustrating, uh, you know, all of the above. But the beauty of being satiated, it sounds like when you describe, you know, I'm only hungry a couple times a day, or, you know, I shift my focus from carbohydrates to uh, protein and fat, and I'm satiated and I feel good. And all of a sudden it motivates me to consider doing, as you referred to it, fasting, which was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you became, fa- you started fasting. And so what happened then? So I was reading the obesity code on a plane to Seattle with my husband and I handed my breakfast back to the flight attendant and my husband was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this jerk says to not eat. So I'm not going to eat and I'm (laughs) sure I'm going to pass out and I'm sure I'm going to feel like crap, but whatever. So being from South Louisiana, I had never skipped a meal in my life. I Mm -hmm. I really hadn't. And um, I think maybe like for like a medical procedure and like, I just felt like I was dying the whole time, Mm -hmm. but I didn't eat for 36 hours. And at the end of it, I was really angry because I didn't pass out. Everything Mm -hmm. was fine. It wasn't that big of a deal, except emotionally. Emotionally, it was a huge deal. So then I was so mad that I um, didn't eat for 11 days, which let me be clear. This is really stupid. Um, you, you don't lift one weight and then lift 300 pounds. Like you, the fasting <laughs> process is a muscle. You jumped so right dumb. in. Oh my gosh. It was real dumb. So for 11 days, I didn't eat because honestly, my perception up until that point was that if you didn't have water for three days, you died. And if you didn't have food for five days, you died. I'm a college educated woman. I don't know why that was my belief. That was mm-hmm. my belief. I never understood the fact that if you had fat on your body, you could use that fat. I, I don't know why I didn't make that connection, but I did not. So when I didn't eat for 11 days and apparently I did not die, every day <laughs> I would cry and I would be oh. angry. Like not once a day, multiple times a day. And sure. finally on the 11th day, my husband was like, listen, you are making your daughter and I miserable mm-hmm. and you got it. Like, and I was going to therapy about it. I was dealing with it, but I was just so infuriated that not once in my life had anyone given me this information. Mm-hmm. So imagine if 20 something years ago, somebody had said, Hey, what if you ate less often? I would have tried it. I would have mm-hmm. tried it as much as I tried Nutrisystem or Weight Washers or the cabbage soup. Like I would have mm-hmm. tried it. But nobody mm-hmm. said that. Instead, they said, eat often. Instead, they said, make sure to get your carbs in. Instead, they said, mm-hmm. exercise more. Instead, they said, have bariatric surgery. Go to hypnosis, which I did. But not once did everybody, somebody say, how about you eat less often? Mm-hmm. And so I was pissed off. One of the most common concerns I see in perimenopause and menopause is 
hair loss, hair breakage, hair shedding. And knowing that over 80 million Americans are impacted by this is both reassuring, but it's wonderful to know that there are products available that can help with these symptoms. Divi is good for those with hair shedding or thinning due to stress in perimenopause or menopause. They can be helpful for addressing dry scalp. And have you wanted to take control of your hair health but aren't sure where to start? This is where a Divi can be hugely impactful. I love their scalp serum. And we know that the scalp serum improves the appearance of breakage, nourishes our hair follicles, and removes product and oil buildup. There are some key ingredients, including tea tree oil, which works to reduce and prevent excess oil buildup on the scalp, amino acids that help to strengthen hair, fight frizz, which is my greatest concern, and reduce breakage, and copper tripeptide 1, which is a small protein composed of the three amino acids to facilitate a clean and hydrated scalp, as well as hyaluronic acid, which is nourishing and hydrating to our scalps. As I mentioned, Divi is not just for those experiencing hair loss. I found it to be hugely helpful for scalp health and all of Divi's products, including their shampoos and conditioners, come together to create a full daily solution that helps women nourish their hair and get to the root of scalp health. Do you want to take back control of your hair and scalp health and do it with clean science-backed ingredients? Go to divyofficial.com slash Cynthia or enter Cynthia at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's D-I-V-I official.com slash Cynthia for 20% off your first order. As I mentioned, my favorite product is the scalp serum. And now that we're in the deep throes of winter weather, it is so wonderfully nourishing and moisturizing. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armor colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armor's colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. 
Um, and so psychologically, that anger fueled me wanting to write a book. I loved the obesity code, but it's, it's a little above me in some ways. Jason Fung is smart and scientific, and I am not that smart. Like, I'm just, I'm not a doctor. And sometimes we well, talk about stuff and I'd be like, I cannot keep up with this. Well, well, to be fair, it's it's really written for, I feel like it's written for clinicians. So it's not that you're not smart. It's just not written for the lay public. Whereas I feel like your book is very accessible as well as his book on intermittent fasting, the guide to intermittent fasting is written for the lay public. And that's the beautiful thing is, you know, these nuances can make such a big difference, but what a powerful story. And it makes me realize even for myself as a clinician, um, you know, most healthcare providers are given little to no education on nutrition. We're really not. We're everything is based off the USDA food guide pyramid, which we know is bunk. Um, it's you know things that are subsidized by the federal government, which can also be problematic. So it creates a system of misinformation for our patients. And I'm so glad that you stumbled upon you know the concept of low carb and you know. Um, intermittent fasting because they are really so powerful. So you did this 11 day fast, which for anyone who's listening, usually the longest I'll recommend is like a two to three, if you're trying to jumpstart uh, weight loss, uh, four to five, if it's medically supervised. So from that 11 day fast, you then just jumped in with both feet. So after, after fasting for 11 days, what did you eat? What were you drawn to eating? Was bacon. it lighter foods? Bacon. bacon. You wanted I, the first thing I, I ate bacon. is bacon. I'm cooking bacon right now. Like there are all <laughs> kind of people that after a really long fast, like they need to be very careful with their stomach. They yes. need to have like a cucumber salad. They need to do it. Mm-hmm. I am not that person. I have like a stomach of steel. I can eat whatever. <laughs> it's fantastic. And bacon is my 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 food of choice after, after that oh. for sure. Yeah, bacon is popular in our house. In fact, we buy pounds and pounds of bacon. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So since that time period, do you integrate longer, when I say longer, like a day or two, two or three here and there, do you integrate that into your month or every quarter? Do you do longer fast or are you just doing it consistent day to day? So I am two years into my fasting process, right? Um, And when I met with, Dr. Fong, and I got to meet Megan Ramos, who is his researcher. Mm-hmm. We came up with this plan to write this book. And, and, and like I said, the obesity code changed my life, but I wanted there to be this book that was a doctor, a researcher, and an everyday person that mm-hmm. would tell the story. And also the one thing that Jason couldn't bring to the table that I could is that he's never been fat. Right. And he was so cool. Cause like when I asked him, he's like, no, you know, maybe 20, 30 pounds. I'm like, no, small potatoes, man. That does not count. Right. <laughs> So, you know, we, we need to bring that perception there and that shame. And I think that all three of us really agreed on the, the shame that people feel and being overweight and the frustration and all that. Um, so in the past two years, Megan uh, Ramos, and there's a video series that you can look at at fastinglane.com. She did a guided fast for me for 10 days and one for three days. And I think they're really great for people to watch because the truth is I am not good at fasting. And there's so many people out there that write about fasting and talk about fasting that like, it's just easy for them. They're like, oh my gosh, this is so much easier than like even dieting or eating. It's not that way for me. I'm super bad at it. And I'm really okay with talking about it because I needed to hear that voice that if somebody who's this bad at it can adopt it over this two year period and reach the weight they've always wanted to reach and the health they wanted to always reach, 
to me, that's relatable and like mm-hmm. achievable as opposed to like some people who like, it's just easy for them. And it's, I don't, I really don't want to hear that. Like, it's not easy for me. I don't know about you, but I like to enjoy a nice wine glass after a long day. But the problem is that so many of the wines have harmful chemicals like pesticides or they have way too much sugar, which would damage your health in the long run. After doing some researching, I discovered Dry Farm Wine, the only health-focused natural wine club in the world. Their wine is all natural and additive-free, lab-tested for purity, sugar-free, and low alcohol, so you can enjoy the taste of good wines without the massive chemical or sugar intake. By joining the Dry Farm Wine Club, you can choose how often you'd like to receive the wines. You can choose monthly or every other month and how many you'd like to receive. And as a special gift, if you sign up with our link, you can get a bonus bottle of pure natural wine with your first order for just one extra penny. Visit the link in the description to claim your bonus bottle of natural wine and join the Dry Farm Wine Club. But I think it also stresses that fasting is a practice, meaning you have to practice at it. And so, you know, giving yourself some grace, acknowledging that, yes, for some people, it seems to be effortless. For others, it, it really is like an act of practice but also acknowledging that fasting changes. Like I, someone was asking me today on an earlier podcast, you know, how has your fasting practice changed during COVID? And I said, well, uh, I've been doing these couple of things. Like I've been more flexible with myself. Like if I eat too much one day, the next day I do one meal a day, maybe the day after I go back to an 18.6, maybe the following day I do a 16.8, but just acknowledging that the beauty of, Fasting is that it, it doesn't have to be rigid and it, it allows you to be flexible depending on what works. How has your fasting changed since you've been home with your family? Right. So you asked me, do I do a lot of long fasts? And the answer to that is no. I hate them. I really <laughs> don't like them. Um, I have found that if I simply don't eat breakfast, I eat lunch around noon, sometimes I have a snack at three. And I Mm -hmm. eat at six. And one of the reasons is I do have a gastric sleeve. So I am able to eat less at a time than other people. But if I eat 12, three and six, and I do that six days a week and on Sunday, I have, sometimes I have breakfast that day. I have three meals Mm -hmm. that day. I can maintain my weight and I'm at the weight I want to be. I I stay between 185 and 195, which like Mm -hmm. is super petite to me, like crazy petite to me, right? I'm a hottie. So I am on no daily medications and I have found for me, I don't need to do long fast. Now, every once in a while, let's say I've had a holiday and I went crazy on Easter, which definitely happened, um, then I might do a 24 or I might Mm -hmm. even go for a 36, but it's really rare. And I have learned that for me, and and I'm sorry, because a lot of people are like, Eve, please do another three day fast. Please do another 10 day fast. And I'm like, I love you, but no, I don't (laughs) like it. It makes me really stressed out and I'm Mm -hmm. glad that I did it. And I'm glad that I shared those stories and and people can watch and see because I'm very honest about it. And then people are like, but I I really have no problem once I get to the third or fourth day and I like it. And I'm like, man, that's fantastic. Like Mm -hmm. do it, like do what is right for you. Work with your doctor, decide what goals you want to achieve. And then my opinion is do the absolute least amount of work you can to mm-hmm. achieve those goals. Yeah. That's what I'm all about. Like we need to Efficiency. make it easier on ourselves and yeah. there's no reward for fasting for 10 days. And I'm never doing that again. So 
How have things been since since I've come home? We have stayed at home. We live in Carrollton, Texas. Um, we, because we are consultants and speakers and my daughter is doing remote learning, we have the luxury to stay at home and flatten the curve. We are not essential workers and we are trying to do our part to keep ourselves healthy and not spread COVID. So we have been home for seven weeks. Sometimes it's really difficult, even though we have food and we have water and we have a house to live in and we have a great dog. Sometimes mentally, I'm very lonely for other people. I get sick of my family, even though I really love them and they're amazing. (laughs) I do. And they get sick of me, right? But I feel like this is our job right now. And it's the thing that we can do. I think that most people I have watched right now because of how stressed they feel and because of how the cortisol has increased. Mm -hmm. I think anyone right now who is eating healthy, working out a bit and fasting any of the time is a freaking hero because Mm -hmm. I think right now there's so many people who have loaded up on foods that will give them comfort and make them feel really bad and perhaps not be so great for their immune system. It's so tempting And the very first week this happened, that's what I did. I overate, Mm -hmm. I ate things I don't typically eat. It made me feel terrible. And then I got myself together. I'm like, I can't do this. Am I going to have a book that comes out on fasting and then be this loser who's not doing any of it? Like, I can't can't be like that, right? So I got myself together. And I would say for the past five weeks now, I'm pretty much sticking to my 12, 3, and 6. And on Sunday, I get super excited because my husband makes me chaffles, which I've just discovered from Maria Emmerich. And I'm all about that. Um, what is a chaffle? It is a keto waffle and it's amazing. Wow. And all about it. And you can have it with like cocoa powder in it. And it's like eggs and um, butter and uh, cheese. And it's like, mm. oh, so good. So that sounds good. amazing. You have to check it out. So good. Wow. So I look forward to Sunday for that. And then I... I really just think right now we have got to be nice to ourselves. We are Mm -hmm. in this situation none of us has been in before um, with whatever opinion you have on it. It's still scary and it's still Mm -hmm. stressful. And if you can do the minimum right now, you're a hero. There's so many people that I think will come out of this having really not been able to take care of themselves, turning to food Mm -hmm. because of stress and gaining a lot of weight and, and, and putting themselves in a tough position I want to just imagine this ending and us walking out of our houses and I'm wearing a tight dress and I'm healthy. Like, I just want to visualize that, right? I stay mm-hmm. healthy and I got a tight dress on. I love tight dresses, right? So that's that's what I'm going to picture. No, I, I, and I love that manifestation of saying, this is this is what's going to happen when I'm finally able to no longer socially distance. And I think it's really critical. I mean, mindset right now, I know a lot of people think it sounds hooey, is really critical. Like I remind my patients, I'm like, you got to sleep well. If you're sleeping well, that's half the battle. Then, you know, determining like, how are you going to meal prep? You know, some people like that's, I'm married to an engineer. So there's a lot of meal prep in my house because that with boys that eat voluminous amounts of food, it's the only way we can manage, (laughs) manage the madness of being home. Otherwise they would eat us out of house. We have two refrigerators, which are completely stocked. I've never had so much food in my house. My Italian mother is so excited. And I said, I have to, because I can't just run. I used to go to the grocery store almost every day. And I just love doing that. I would be like, okay, today I want to do this. So I'll run up to Whole Foods or go to Wegmans. Well, that's now gone. I go once a week. It's like my stealthful, I'm gowned, gloved. I mean, I've got everything. Um, 
But I, but I think, you know, sleep is critical. Food choices are critical. Like you said, you said when I first started, I was really stressed and I didn't eat all the best foods. I didn't feel good. And then I got back on track. And so recognizing that we can all do that. Um, I had, I don't know if it was Easter. It wasn't even that I ate. We had like tenderloin and vegetables. I mean, that, that wasn't anything that was going to get me into trouble, but I made, I made a paleo brownie and I ate too Dude. much of it. Cynthia, that's ridiculous. I ate all the chocolate, like all of it. I, I know, it but you know what's, I'm, yeah, we know what's funny is I now kind of, if I eat too much chocolate, it dysregulates my blood sugar and I sweat. Like, here's the thing, perimenopausal women get sweats. I get it with alcohol and I get it with sweets. So for me, there's such a huge disincentive not to sweat, which is mm. so not sexy or fun. If you haven't gotten there yet, you're lucky. I'm not I'm there yet. And you. I don't like alcohol. Like chocolate would yeah. be my drug of choice for sure. Yeah. No, it's so not sexy. So for me, it's like I had too much brownies and then felt blah, um, mm. and then got sweats, which didn't make that so much fun. So when we're talking about longer fasts, how we navigate stress, what are some of the other things that you're doing, you know, outside of COVID, outside of this daily experience? And I'm sure you're probably super savvy because of your business, you probably do some traveling. Do you just flip on? I mean, what I usually do is I, I just flip onto the time zone. I just make sure I've got, you know, things with me if I get stuck somewhere that I have um, food that's healthy, that's accessible. What are your tricks that you do when you're traveling for business when it's not social distancing time, uh... just in normal reality? Usually if I don't get in a plane in two weeks, I go crazy. So we're on week six. So I'm super, super crazy. It's interesting. When I first started doing low carb, I would always make sure to like bring a ton of snacks with me. And then I'd learn in the airport to like get those really good pork rinds and get the beef Mm -hmm. turkey that didn't have the sugar in it and get the nuts and all that kind of stuff. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep. We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.beaminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.beaminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. 
At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bioptimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. It was really freeing when I started fasting because then I would pack nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know what too, like I remember packing tons of stuff and going on all kind of international trips when I was doing the low carb stuff before the fasting. And then they started that rule where you had to remove all the food out of your bag at TSA. And I never check a bag in. So it would be so embarrassing because I just have like <laughs> Lily's bars and, and it was like tons yep. of food. And I knew they were looking at me like judging me. I don't have to do that anymore because I just don't mm-hmm. bring any food with me and it makes it easier to fast. So honestly, my trick is when I travel, I just don't have any food with me and I don't get food and I don't worry about it. I have problems when they bring the damn cookies around at the yeah. uh, on the airport. Like I have to say no to those. And that's really hard. Not the pretzels because pretzels suck, but the cookies <laughs> are hard, right? And then when I do go to a meal, I have a big, delicious meal. I order my favorite thing on the menu. I have a giant appetizer salad mm. and I have a steak and I... I like to wear, one of my favorite things to do is to wear a tight dress in a restaurant with heels while eating a giant steak. You're a badass. I love it. It's very sexy. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I typically, so a lot of the questions I oftentimes will get, what do you do when you travel? And so I'm always an optimist. However, I'm always prepared because I've gotten stuck in enough crappy airports where there are no options for me because I'm gluten grains and dairy free, which means my world is a little small when I travel, but that's okay. And so I always take macadamia nuts. I always bring olives. um, I always bring like good quality beef jerky. And I find if I have enough of those, I'm usually good. Like, cause there's enough fat that I will be good. I will get through whatever. And, and, And I, honest to God, I've been in first class traveling for business, not paid for by myself, but paid for by a company. And I've actually gotten on for long flights and they've not had my meal for me. So I've just learned to prepare. Like they're literally like, we don't have a gluten-free meal. I'm like, how do you not have a gluten-free meal? (laughs) Here's the thing for me. I, if I have the food with me, I will eat it. Like whether I'm hungry or not, I can't, 
I don't have that kind of discipline. Like if the food is available, I will just eat it. And so I can't bring the snacks with me. I have to wait. And then if something happens where it's going to be six more hours that I'm not going to have a food available, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just going to, now it's not as scary as it used to be. It took a year to get there, right? But like now I'm just like, oh, well, okay. So six more hours of fasting, like fine. It'll be fine. But then when I get to the restaurant, I make sure like, I think one of my misconceptions I had is that people that fasted don't like food or Mm -hmm. aren't excited by food. And I'm very excited by food. Yes. And I feel like if I fast, I get to eat the best food there is Mm -hmm. when I eat. And it better be delicious and it better be big and it better be something (laughs) I love, right? Well, it's funny. There's um, There are two restaurants in New York that I absolutely think have the best steaks. And so in my mind, last time I was in New York, last time I traveled, which was beginning of March, I ate at this place called Raul's. Um, I don't know. I know. Had, no, the best steaks in New York are Peter Luger's and Gallagher's. Okay. You tell See, me, where, where, where do you think the best steaks are? Um, there's this place, PJ something, something. It's like Ooh. Midtown and it's amazing. Like it's a little neighborhood restaurant, but they have the best steaks and great ambiance. And to me, it feels like I'm just in a neighborhood restaurant, which to me really appeals to me. Yeah. Um, Raul's, where's Raul's? I forget. I always get turned around when I'm in New York. We're going to need links for this. Yes. Oh, absolutely. This needs absolutely. To um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. If I'm going to break my fast, it better be over something that's really delicious and something mm-hmm. I really want to eat because I'm all about protein. Like my poor husband has nearly had a heart attack with some of the groceries trips I've had. Cause I'm like, listen, if Whole Foods has meat, I'm buying the meat, I'm buying the seafood because it looks good. It's probably our only, it's probably our best option locally, unless we go to a butcher and that's not happening right now. So yeah. I buy lots and I have two teenage boys and well, man, we live in Texas and I use this place called The Provision House, which you can check at theprovisionhouse.com. They are local ranchers, grass fed. We have been to their ranch and like their cows yeah. act like dogs. Like they are so happy <laughs> and beautiful and healthy and on all this land. Like it's, it's like the four seasons of a ranch. Um, That's but, fantastic. But, and they deliver it. Like it's, it's, oh. Um, yeah, I need to find one of those. We don't have that. Yeah, they, they ship too. So I could hook you so up. I'll have to look into that. I'll have to look into that. So yeah. what's next for you? So your book is out. It's selling really well, which is incredible. So for anyone that's listening, what constitutes being a New York Times bestseller? Like what is it? How many books do you have to sell within a certain amount of time? The truth is nobody knows. The oh, truth so is <laughs> it is a combination of you at least sell a whole bunch of books, which there's not a certain number, but you can guesstimate that if you're going to qualify, you need five to 10,000 sales, book sales in a week, right? Wow, that's awesome. Okay? So you need that, but that does not mean you will be a New York Times bestseller. It has to be enough numbers, enough reporting mm-hmm. from a different place, different places, and there is a subjective component to New York Times bestseller that is very mm-hmm. hidden. So you could hit those numbers, but still not be there. There's even been cases where people have hit lower numbers and became a New York Times bestseller. So you'll see videos out there like, you just hit this number. It's all baloney. You don't know. You don't know <laughs> what's going to happen. And people think that... Um, People hire firms and do all kinds of things to hit it. And the truth is you, you just don't know. Uh, it's like a but secret it society. Yeah, and so, it's amazing. So I'm so it, excited for it's you. It's amazing. We're, we're super pumped and, and, and it was a life goal and it happened and I'm, I'm really excited about it. That's amazing. So what are the next steps? Are you going like once COVID is quieted down, do you go on a book tour? What are your next steps? What are your next goals that you're working towards? 
I'm going to go to a restaurant is my first goal <laughs> and eat with my friends. Yeah, That is what I'm excited about. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. We had a lot of things planned in different countries and different cities to go mm. and do this and all, it all got canceled. So instead we've been on uh, Good Morning America. We've been on, I'm going to be on Good Morning Texas tomorrow. I did some TV in Louisiana. Jason and Megan have been all over in Canada uh, on radio and television. So we're going to do as much virtual um, promotion of the book as we can from the safety of our homes. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, um, this is my fourth book. And after I write a book, the last thing I want to do is write another book. So yeah. I don't actually know what I'm doing next. I, I hope that we get to reach a lot of people with this message and I hope that this book helps people consider fasting as a way to improve their immune system right now, which I'm, I'm really mm -hmm. proud of. Um, I hope that this continues to stimulate the conversation for people that want to lose 300 pounds and want to lose three pounds. And, and mm -hmm. I hope it also helps people who are overweight and feel emotionally ashamed about it or like a loser like I did. I hope this opens the discussion and, and the healing for that. So those are my hopes and how we achieve that. Like, because the world is so different right now, I think we're just going to do it like we're doing right now on your show and different shows and um, talking to as many people as we can. And then I have no idea what's next anymore because I feel like the world is really weird right now. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do a lot of planning. I think for many people, myself included, all of my speaking gigs through August are off. And Same. my spokesperson job, they said no speaking until next spring, which is unreal. Makes um, sense. I'm just, I'm just hoping like maybe September, October, November, there might be some travel because much like you, uh, I was traveling so much. And for me, it's, it, it, I love to travel. It's just part of, it like totally resonates with my soul. So I, I enjoy, I enjoy doing all of that. Well, Eve, I'm so excited that you carved time out of your busy schedule and I'd love to have you back and hear more about what you're doing, but let our listeners know how they can connect with you, how they can find you. And obviously for those of you in my Facebook group, I'm going to be doing a giveaway on Friday of Eve's book. So you definitely want to stay tuned. Yes, please get that book from Cynthia. And if you want to check me out, everything I have is at fastinglane.com. So it's pretty easy, fastinglane.com, um, Twitter, fastinglane, uh, Instagram, fastinglane, you know, you can see a pattern here. <laughs> On Twitter, I'm Eve Mayer Media, that's M-A-Y-E-R. Um, but pretty much anything you need, you can get at fastinglane.com. And we have, I've been doing a podcast. Cynthia was a fabulous guest that you should check out okay. that episode. I've been doing that for two years now. And uh, we have lots of uh, free stuff on the blog. And, and listen, I, I really want everybody to buy the book. But like, let me be clear. I've had a lot of people reach out and be like, Eve, I, I just lost my job. I'm really struggling. Like, I don't need you to buy the book. There are these amazing places called libraries. I, I, if you want to buy the book, great. But I've heard a lot of people getting the digital version from the library. I'm a huge fan of libraries. And, and I would love for you to do that. I'd love for you to listen to the free podcast. Like whatever way you need to get the information is the way I hope you get the information. So just wanted to throw that out there. Thank you so much for carving time out of your busy schedule. And I cannot wait to see what to do. I cannot wait to see what you're going to do next. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cynthia.
Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review. Subscribe and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.